you, we have to develop some societal norms for how we deal with each other in social media. Maybe social media is too new to have that. I don't know. That's it. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. School's out for the summer in Noblesville, but it's a summer break that comes on the heels of our country's latest school shooting, this time right here in central Indiana. For some students, the shooting means a new conversation about school safety and the issue of gun control. Those topics front and center as some students went to the State House to protest. Our Randy Spieth was there. Students from many corners of central Indiana gathered outside the state house calling for gun reform. Since this has happened in our own community, more people are, are opening like their eyes like this really can happen here. The rally sparked after a 13-year-old took two handguns into Noblesville West Middle School and opened fire. Parent accountability, that's super important too because... 13-year-olds, I don't know how they're getting guns, but parents must be involved in that since they are still minors. Science teacher Jason Seaman brought the teenage gunman down, possibly saving many lives. But one student, Ella Whistler, was shot and injured. No one should have to go through that. I don't think any solution's perfect, but we have to do something to just prevent them from anyone having to hear the stories that I had to hear, what she went through, being barricaded and running down the hall and just hoping there's nothing. Students from other schools were also there. Seniors just days away from graduating say they can't quit speaking up just because they're getting their cap and gown. If we're not going to advocate it, who is going to? As somebody who's 17 years old, I've never grown up in a time where we haven't had to worry about school shootings. While it won't affect me, it will affect others in the future. More children's lives could be lost, and if I can do anything to show my support and try to fight for change, I'll do that. Meantime, President Trump tweeting about the teacher's heroic actions, saying thanks to very brave teacher and hero Jason Seaman of Noblesville for his heroic act in saving so many precious young lives. His quick and automatic action is being talked about all over the world. The president also visited school shooting victims in Texas on Thursday. Now, since the Noblesville shooting, we've also had the chance to talk with Indiana lawmakers about the issues of school safety and gun control. I spoke with Indiana Senator Todd Young at Noblesville West Middle School last Friday. We also caught up with Congresswoman Susan Brooks and with Senator Joe Donnelly. How grateful all Hoosiers were that uh, Ella and Jason are safe and are okay. That's, that's first and foremost. Second is, is there anything else that we can do to help our school systems to be able to provide them with assistance? Third, the incredible affection and devotion for, to our teachers and our administrators and the staff of these schools. Such a hero, not only in this community, but obviously in the country, in the world, the way he stood up as a teacher, as we know so many teachers, coaches, other administrators and adults who are around our children do each and every day. They're in the front line. Um, I talked to one of the other teachers at Noblesville, and we know that Jason, besides tackling this, this person, also threw things at him to distract him and all of this. That's part of the training they have, is they're trained that if something starts, they have to start throwing things at them. And you know, my goal is to try to make it so 
they don't get into school with the, with the weapons in the first place. Look, I, we have to commend uh, the response of the local community, uh, of, of the teacher, heroic teacher involved in this situation. We have to commend the law enforcement uh, across different jurisdictions and, and, and uh, responsibilities. They all work together seamlessly. When we look at the national picture, this unfortunately is small scale compared to what we've right. seen in other schools. What does Noblesville do to this national conversation on training, on guns, on everything that you as lawmakers are facing? I hope it helps to bring us to a place where we can get some of these things done. Like here in Indiana where we have the red flag law, which says that if something looks sideways with this person who has weapons, that we can take them away and then uh, have it out in court, in effect. But during that time, we're safe. If the Second Amendment's protected, the, the people are protected. The community's protected. And um, we need to continue to try to figure out how do we keep our children safe? How do we make it so that things like expanded background checks where uh, you're not able to just take a wad of cash and go to any of our county fairgrounds and be able to buy weapons right off of a table there. I mean, we need to make sure that our children are protected, that those struggling with mental illness or um, with felonies, that they're not in a position to, to get some of these weapons. Whether it's school safety or whether it's more of a conversation about guns, what do we need to do to make sure this doesn't keep happening? Well, um, we need to uh, first make sure that uh, we, we have that conversation, that we act on the back end of it with respect to uh, solutions. Today I'm focused and uh, my prayers are directed uh, at the families and the victims. We've, uh, from a policy standpoint, we have provided substantial resources to school corporations uh, to harden our schools, to keep our kids safe and secure. If more is needed on that front, then we need to work with various levels of government uh, to ensure that that happens. Uh, we've strengthened the background check system, so uh, always looking for ways uh, to respond. But the one thing I think we really uh, need to get an answer to, as much as anything else, is why. Uh, why do uh, episodes like this happen? What inspires a young person uh, to go after and target uh, another young person? Has this changed your views on, on anything in terms of mandating training or arming teachers or any of the hot topics we're seeing come out of yeah. Washington, some of the headlines? Well, the, the only thing I want to do is make sure our kids can go to school safe, can study safe, and can come home safe. All right, Senator Joe Donnelly there talking with our Matt Smith. Our team coverage continues now with Nick McGill, who spoke with state education officials about their efforts to closely study this school safety issue over the summer break. Nick. And these are conversations that were taking place before the shooting at Noblesville West, but officials say that the incident proved to be a stark reminder that changes are needed and fast. It's very important that we look at what kind of resources we can give out there. Press Secretary Adam Baker says the department is part of a task force including Homeland Security, the Family and Social Services Administration, State Police and the National Association of School Resource Officers. Their job, get a new set of school safety recommendations on the governor's desk by August 1st. One of the things that we've been a big pushing for is having more funds go towards mental health. Until now, Baker says much of the conversation has been about securing schools and structuring safety measures. The recommendations will include those, but they also want to focus on what happens once a student is already in school. We know that it's very important and we understand it's a key factor is that we reach these children, that we relate to these children, that we understand our students better.
better. Earlier this year, Governor Eric Holcomb requested $5 million for school safety improvements after the school shooting that killed 17 people in Parkland, Florida. And just a few weeks ago, the Indiana legislature passed a bill on school safety during a special session after failing to do so earlier this spring. Those, like the head of the Indiana State Teachers Association, say still, more solutions need to be brought to the table. We want to teach. That's our number one priority. Uh, we want school to be a safe place for our students and for us to be. So that's, that's at the end of the day what we are wanting. But until you actually put some action in place to make something change, nothing will change. Nick McGill reporting there. Up next, we'll talk more about the issue of guns and school safety. Also, what do young voters think about the gun issue and about President Trump? After another wild week in Washington, we'll have the latest. And we have Sunday alcohol sales finally in the state of Indiana, but could there be a snag in the effort to legalize cold beer sales? We'll tell you about a change at the statehouse and what that could mean coming up next. I think that uh, as a kid and certainly as a parent, there is nothing that could be more terrifying for a kid to go to school and not feel safe. So I'm sorry that you feel that way. And emotional Sarah Huckabee Sanders responding to a question from a young student who got to attend the White House press briefing this past week asking her about school safety. Let's bring in our panel right now. Tony Samuel was vice chair of the Indiana Trump campaign in 2016. We have two former state lawmakers, Democrat Christina Hale, Republican Mike Murphy, and former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner. Whether it's Noblesville, whether it's nationally, Kids are very much a part of this conversation right now. And they have to be. This is affecting them and their schools. It's affecting their families. It's affecting their friends. I've had this conversation with my 10-year-old daughter who came up with her own gun control plan, you know, based on the things that are happening in the news. It's an important conversation, and I think it's great that these kids are leading it. And while we've seen this happen in a lot of places around the country, it's, a, it's different when it hits home. It, it, it's central it's always different when it hits home. But I'll tell you that children have always been a major, a part of major public policy changes. Go back to the 1950s and the integration of the public schools in Arkansas and other places. There were African American kids who walked the gauntlet to get into the schools. So kids have always uh, had a major impact on public policy in this country. Uh, thank God this situation wasn't worse. It certainly could have been uh, much worse. But where does this conversation go go now here here in Indiana specifically? Could have been and can be. You know, we don't know how the student got the gun. We know that we've been discussing gun policy and debating that here in our state for quite some time. But this really amps up the stakes. People feel this very personally. I think people maybe who also had a very theoretical or philosophical idea about gun safety now, it's got to become more practical. When your kids are on the front line, when your kids are expecting a shooter in their school and go home terrified like some of us maybe were terrified of the big bomb back in the day. Um, you know, that changes not only minds, but hearts. Yeah, a number of us have, have kids or little kids. And Tony, uh, is this the kind of thing that maybe gets people involved in political conversations that might not have been otherwise? Yeah, because now, like you said, it is it has hit home. Thank God for Jason Seaman, for yeah. the coach and what he did. But that's not going to be the case. And we've seen it time and time again. That's not normally the case. So we, we've got to do something. I'm ready for a, a broader discussion on putting metal detectors at each doorway, having more uh, school uh, security guards at each school. It's going to cost money, but it's got to be done. Of course, guns are always uh, part of this conversation. Every time something like this happens, 
Uh, there was also this controversy uh, in Noblesville about an NRA tent that brought students out to protest. This tent set up outside a new uh, gun store in downtown Noblesville the day after the shooting. The mayor of Noblesville says he went in to ask them not to do this and claims he was asked to leave. Hopefully they learned a lesson. I've not talked to them. Again, I was asked to leave, so I won't go in there until I'm asked to come back. Now, the owner claims he didn't actually ask the mayor to leave, but back to our point about the younger generation, a lot of kids were there at the store to protest last weekend. Since, like, they're opening up a shop, like, right after a shooting, I don't think that's very, like, very smart. And so um, I want them to see my side of the argument. Some of these student protesters, obviously not of voting age yet, but got to point out that young man you just heard from there, Luke Kenley's grandson, the former Republican lawmaker from Noblesville. There's also a, a poll out this week that touches on this issue of the student reaction to guns and what young voters are thinking. This article from the Associated Press also tells the story of an IU student who's been more active politically. The poll from AP and MTV uh, shows a little bit of an uptick in the number of young people who say they feel politically empowered, quote unquote. Nearly half of Americans ages 15 to 34 now believe they can have at least a moderate effect on government. Only 37% of people in that age range had said the same thing a couple months ago. The poll also shows four in 10 give the government a failing grade on gun laws, while just 30% approve of President Donald Trump among this uh, group of students and young voters age 15 to 34. What are, what are some of your takeaways looking at some of those numbers? Well, I'm not surprised by the numbers on the president. Um, I think the, he's out of step with a lot of young people. I'm also not surprised by those numbers, though, and, the, and it's encouraging that these young people think they have a chance to influence government. Um, I just hope that when they are of voting age or if they are of voting age, they go out there, get registered, and go to the polls because far too often we see that people say, oh, I can make a difference, and then they choose not That's to. That's the question. Does this actually translate, do you think? Oh, young, it does, long term. Young voters. Children get energized by all kinds of things, good things and bad things. I'm sure this is going to carry on into their later teen years. One thing I want to mention is the NRA uh, tent. That was very insensitive. Timing was bad. But the NRA did not cause the shooting in Noblesville. And what we, while we still, as Christina said, don't know how the kid got the guns, we need to start involving the parents and prosecuting parents who negligently handle guns and endanger their own children and other people's children because they don't keep guns in a safe or trigger locked or whatever the case may be. That's still a lot of questions about guns and how that factored in here, but guns will continue to no doubt be a part of the conversation on this issue. Yes, and we say guns, but really this is about violence, and there isn't a binary argument here. This is something that's got multiple layers, multiple prongs. It's very complicated. We haven't even begun to talk about mental health or you know just the challenges in families today. Well, it's a multi-layered conversation, really, is it? Not? Very much so, and it's I mean you look at society, look at the tweets that went out this week, it's, there's a lot of hatred, anger that's coming about for whatever reason, and, 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 and social media uh, can be... Not a pretty place. It's sometimes. not a pretty yeah. place, yeah. It's, right. uh, so we've all got to... Parents, like Mike said, have to do a better job uh, knowing their kids, knowing what their kids are doing and talking to them about these kinds of things. And we have to do a better job. And politicians yeah. and elected officials have to do a better job. We have to listen. Right. There's no one person that owns the answer to this. And we have to collaborate if we really want to find solutions. Well, you mentioned some of the ugliness on social media. There's a lot of interesting news this week nationally and in Washington. But also some news this week from the State House on the, the cold beer issue. We have Sunday sales now, but there's still been this push to legalize 
cold beer sales. As the Star reported this week, the chair of the Alcohol Code Revision Commission has been replaced. BevGuard is out, and former state rep Bill Davis is in. And as the Star reports, this could be bad news for those who want to see cold beer sales. Davis had once served as chair of the Public Policy Committee, which often struck these proposals down. Tony, this is an issue you've worked on at the State House. Are you concerned about what this could mean for the future of cold beer sales? Uh, well, Bill Davis is a great guy. Uh, it was a great legislator. Um, he hopefully will have an open mind. Bev Gard was doing an excellent job as the chair of the commission. But then again, Speaker Bosma has the, the it's his prerogative to, to switch chairs since he's in control of the Legislative Council this year. Uh, it gives us a little bit of concern because of the past uh, history from the Public Policy Committee when Bill Davis was chairman, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Do you guys think this is an issue that can, that can move forward in the coming years? I think this is a business issue, not an issue about <laughs> the sins a of A lot of issues beer. that come up at the yes. State House are business yeah, issues. So are you can not? always strike a business deal. Yeah. Also, I feel like we just have to be behind on something. So it's, it was previously Sunday sales, now it's cold beer. The bottom line is the public wants cheap beer. The cheapest possible <laughs> beer <laughs> they can get on a Saturday or Sunday or whenever. The problem with this whole commission redoing is that that the uh, Bev Guard was chosen specifically because of her integrity and because she had absolutely zero ties to the alcohol industry in any form. Now they put in Bill Davis, great guy, don't have any problem with his integrity, certainly, but as a long-term chairman of the Public Policy Committee, he had significant interaction and contributions and all those kinds of things from the alcohol industry. He is not um, uninterested, let's okay. put it that way. He's no Switzerland. Yes. Oh, there you go. All right, also some pretty interesting news Friday about the platform for next weekend's Republican State Convention. Could this be the year they take out that language in the platform about traditional marriage? That's apparently uh, what we're seeing at this point. We'll see what happens. This is an issue you've worked on for Freedom Indiana. It is an issue, and I, I feel like uh, probably a majority of Republicans are, are on board with language that is open and inclusive because I think that's where a majority of Hoosiers are. I certainly hope that the far right wing of the Republican Party doesn't get to hijack the platform when most of uh, most of Indiana is in, in a different place. Is there going to be a fight over this in the coming days, you think? There'll be a fight, but party platforms mean absolutely nothing. They have these show hearings around the state. Particularly three or four. state party platforms. Yeah, they go right. down I used to write ours, so I can say it well, probably didn't mean they, that much. They don't mean a thing, and the day after they're passed, they're put on a shelf, and then the candidates take over the discussion. So. There will be a fight, but I think it's meaningless. My young Republican friends, I think it is meaningful to them. They'd like to see this change in their party, many of them, and I think it would really reinvigor them if, if this change were made. But change happens through through legislation and social action, not through a, a document that's This is about the values of their party, okay. I think, and that's what they've taken to heart. What, what I think gets lost a little bit is, is the majority of conservatives, not the far right wing, but conservatives in general, have a certain feeling about this issue. They're the ones, I think, that are still in the majority. That's going to be a debate over the next couple we of days. We'll see what happens. We've got to leave it there. A lot of interesting national news this week as well. North Korea summit back on, apparently. Talk of more tariffs, some good job numbers the controversy over Roseanne, all of that we will discuss on our podcast this week and perhaps in our Winners and Losers segment coming up as well. Up next, a young boy from Indianapolis sharing a special moment at a presidential bill signing. But what about the politics involved? Stick around. We'll be right back. talked a lot about young people on today's show. We also want to bring you this special moment for a young boy from Indianapolis this week, side by side with the president as he signed the Right to Try bill into law, something he and his mother have been fighting for to help those with terminal illnesses. Matt Smith has more. Nine-year-old Jordan McLean waited 
patiently. The Indianapolis boy and his family at the White House after years of relentless advocacy. Three years ago, I met a young boy from Indiana who is um, one of my heroes. As President Trump arrived to sign the Right to Try Act, it became clear why they were here. Thanks for being with us, Jordan. So proud of my son. He's nine years old. He's going to have a law named after him. And it's not just any law. It's a law that helps lots of people and something that he can be really proud of. Indiana Democratic Senator Joe Donnelly and Republican Senator Ron Johnson helped move the bill through the Senate. Senator Donnelly, thank you very much. That's really great. Appreciate it. Thank you. The biggest part of this whole thing is that it's going to help people who are in life-threatening uh, conditions. A little boy who's been accepted into a clinical trial, fighting still today for others. <laughs> and ending with perhaps a little Hoosier hospitality. A thank you to the president for the right to try. All right, so obviously a nice moment there for the McClinton family, but you also got to look, look a little bit interesting there at the politics there to see the president uh, give a shout out to Senator Donnelly, perhaps not something Mike Braun uh, likes to see. Two weeks after in Elkhart, the president said that called him uh, Sleeping, Joe. Called him Sleepy yeah. Joe, completely ineffective, and today, or recently, he thanked him for being a co-author of a very significant piece of legislation. As we said, though, this was a pretty nice moment for this family. They've been all across Indiana advocating for this law here and now nationwide. It was, it was, it was a great thing and, and good for the president, good for the McClinton family and so many others um, that hopefully this gives hope, hope for. Finally, an example of how politics should be done. All right, we'll be right back after this with this week's Winners and Losers coming up next. All right, we wrap it up with this week's Winners and Losers. Tony, you're up first. Uh, the American worker is the winner. Uh, the Trump economy is chugging along. 228,000 new jobs added in this last quarter and, and unemployment down to 3.9%. Loser, uh, James LeBron for wearing suit shorts earlier this LeBron week. LeBron James. Well, well James is a first name. James so, LeBron. Yeah, there you go, right? Winner, <laughs> Senator Joe Donnelly, he did so well this week. He was even shouted out by President Trump for his very good work to support public health and the Right to Try Act. Losers, it's a fear now. I'm very worried about the Indiana agricultural community, our farmers, with all that's going on with trade right now. Two winners, obviously Jason Seaman, a hero by yeah. any measure, and also Congressman Trey Gowdy of South Carolina. He's the only politician in Washington standing up for the FBI. No losers. All right. My, my winner is also Jason Seaman and yeah. all of us for, for not having any fatalities in the Noblesville shooting. And my loser has to be Roseanne. Sometimes the Internet does good things. She gone. All right. And we're gone for this week. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. All right, more to talk about this week on our podcast after the show. Um, you, you mentioned it earlier, Tony, civility. You mentioned it in Winners and Losers, Roseanne, and, and the tweets um, this week. A lot of controversy, a lot of conversation about, about race and, and just the, the notion of sort of the, the tribal politics that we live in. We didn't see this all across the board. I'm not saying everyone went to their tribes on this Roseanne issue. Some people did and some people didn't. Just said, look, we've got to call this what it is. Uh, yeah, and it was, was, I mean, it was, a, it was just too far. And I think for all the bad that, you know, Twitter and Facebook have, have done to our political discourse, sometimes when someone gets out way too far, the right thing happens. And I think the right thing happened. Well, what about with Samantha Bee? The right thing has not happened there. I mean, that was, to me, just as bad or, or you know. 
But what I think this brings up is, once again, it is more incumbent than ever. Now, I'm not blaming President Trump for Roseanne Barr because she's just stupid, okay? But it's more incumbent upon President Trump than ever to be an example, to be aspirational, to be a leader, not just in foreign policy or in what Supreme Court justice he chooses, but in the tone that he sends for American discussion. And you know, I think we need more of that. We also have, you know, you mentioned Samantha Bee. There's, a, there's, a, there's always a back and forth. Of, you know, what, what about this instance? What about this instance? We talk about this in the news business a lot now that precision is, is needed because these things all kind of sound like the same thing sometimes when people are, are upset on either side, but they're not always exactly the same kind of Right. Incivility. And I would I would challenge what Tony said too, kind of equating these two issues. In some ways, they are very similar. And you're right. But you know, race is, it's it's such a big, deep issue dividing Americans. You know, we've had so many of the um, law enforcement issues, people getting shot, people rioting just in the very recent past. I mean, this just hits people. Um, right in the solar plexus and it's one of those issues that um, Americans aren't going to get over anytime soon. You're right and Dan you're exactly right that it's always different you can't you I mean you can't compare everything. But there's, a, there's 280 are, characters it's uh, sometimes yeah, things and, get a little lumped and together. And these are jokes and they're terrible jokes yeah. and they shouldn't have been said either way. Samantha Bees I'll just uh, since we're talking about hers was planned it was scripted she knew what she was doing the audience laughed that's just setting a really bad example for anybody, any kid that's watching. It's just, it's, but they're totally different, and, and racism has a long history, and this is just one word that she said, and Samantha B. To your point, too, though, it does get toward the issue of the coarsening of society. I mean, that is some, that's that, the point, yeah. That was a little nuclear bomb, and it was not right, and um, it's regrettable. But it's the relative anonymity that's provided by social media. You can say worse things about somebody that you don't have to look in the eye, right? Same, same reason why Americans traditionally don't like people that don't look like them or talk like them, right? That's, that's one of the bases of discrimination in American history. And so you, we have to develop some societal norms for how we deal with each other in social media. Maybe social media is too new to have that. I don't know. Yeah, I bring it back to, to Noblesville and, and one of the pastors who was at the vigil last weekend. Her uh, main message in the wake of that incident was be kind. Yeah, right? just be nice society, to each right? other. Yeah. That's the yeah, top lesson, right? It's just, what we teach our kids, right? Yeah. And, and you know, maybe, maybe all this talk today show all about children and, and their influence yeah. on politics. Maybe it'll all come full circle and we as parents will will actually have taught them the right thing and the next generation will be like, no, I'm not doing those hateful things on the internet. I'm Jen, not. Jenna's so right. Don't say anything you wouldn't want to say in front of your own kid. That's true. A lot of talk about kids today. All of them out on, on summer break uh, now, or many of them. Uh, so many big things going on in the news. I mean, we touched on it earlier. Uh, the North Korea summit is apparently back on. A lot of really interesting news Friday. I think Kim Jong-un sent a nice letter to the president um, and, and the summit's on. It's still going to be a long process. I mean, that's a great first step and, and um, everyone involved should be uh, congratulated. But it's just the first step. There's still a lot to do and it could fall apart at any time, hopefully not. But uh, we have to be careful with that. Did, did anyone apologize to Mike Pence over that insult, speaking of insults? Well, I don't know. Yeah. They yeah. I don't know. So there was that uh, North Korea, obviously. Uh, you mentioned the jobs numbers as well during the show, and you mentioned the tariffs. Uh, real back and forth with, 
with Canada that apparently also involved the vice president and some of the negotiations between the Canadian Prime Minister and Vice President Pence this week. And who knows wh where those conversations will end up. Well, yes, it seems as though um, uh, Justin Trudeau directly blamed Mike Pence for derailing some of those negotiations. But it was interesting to hear Jackie Walorski, con Congresswoman from um, the northern part of our state, too, just um, really decry some of President Trump's action on this. She's worried, and so are some of the other Republicans in Congress. How will this play in Indiana? Well, it's too early to tell, but you know, we it's know really for know the last 50 too. or 60 years that farmers, farmers and other Hoosiers depend on, obviously, farming and manufacturing. They're very sensitive to the economy and tariffs and things like that. So of all states who could be hurt, Indiana is one of the most sensitive. I think anytime you've got a bunch of people in your own party coming out and saying that what you did is, you know, dumb or worse, then you should probably give second thought to it as president. And I mean, these are not idiots. Um, these are people who've been in politics and been in these issues for a very long time, and if they're pumping the brakes, perhaps the president would be wise to listen to them. Senator Donnelly's in an interesting place on some of those conversations as well, being a guy from South Bend up there mm. in Steel Country, um, and obviously this could be a big issue coming into the midterms this year as well. Well, a lot of steel companies are adding jobs, uh, opening plants, reopening, uh, closed down plants. Uh, there's jobs being created um, with what he's doing and for so long we've been taken advantage of and done nothing but complain so now you've got a president who campaigned on this said he was going to do this and he's doing it I think it's it's uh, it would be wise of us to let it let let it see how it works and, and plays out a lot of news this week about presidential pardons potential presidential pardons as well Martha Stewart Rod Blagojevich maybe um, what does this uh, mean do you think uh, in the midst of uh, the ongoing uh, Mueller probe as well. It's, it's all politics. It's all smoke. You had, you had, smoke you had, you had uh, Martha Stewart, you had Blagojevich, and you had Scooter both Libby. Both on The Apprentice. In Scooter Libby. And okay, it's a great so New York Post uh, front page. Former FBI Director Comey uh, led investigations of all three of those, and his personal attorney, Fitzgerald, was the primary uh, prosecutor for two of those, Stewart and Blagojevich. So it's the president's way to get back at somebody he can't quite get back at yet. Well, and Dinesh D'Souza, let's remember Dinesh that. Dinesh D'Souza also, also getting an actual part he, of this he, I think he really did get a, a bad deal from the Obama administration, from those folks that Mike just mentioned. And so I think that was justified, and we'll see on the others. But is this meant to send a message yes. to Michael Cohen? Absolutely. To Paul Manafort? Is, is that behind some of this? I have think to think so? it is. I don't think the president's an idiot. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. You know, I don't think he probably cares too terribly much about pardoning Martha Stewart, but it definitely sends a smoke signal over the wall that, you know, maybe, maybe folks will get taken care of later on if, if things go south. So shot across the bow of the FBI. Yep. All right. So many things happening um, nationally. Uh, so many things happening here uh, closer to home this week. But, uh, but as we said on the show, because we did talk quite a bit about Noblesville, glad everybody seems to be doing okay and so thankful for the heroic actions uh, of Jason Seaman there. I can tell you, living in Noblesville, Communities really come together around around what happened there this week. And, and thank God we have Riley Hospital here in Indiana. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Children's true. Hospitals yeah. in America is able right. to take care of that little girl, and looks like she's going to make it. Yeah, and also though that 13-year-old kid definitely picked the wrong classroom to to barge into. You know, you picked the football coach. You picked a guy who's like what, like six four. Yeah. yeah. 
you know I saw what? someone tweet this week he made the, the tackle of his life. He, football player. <laughs> he did, and, and thank God he did. But classroom. sadly, what they are saying, too, though, is these kinds of incidents are similar um, to acts of suicidal terrorism in other parts of the world, that they're, mm. um, once they see that what, what's happening, that people copycat, copycat you know, they, problem, um, yeah. and they learn from that. Yeah. So I, I hope that they don't learn, hey, don't go to the football coach's right. classroom, choose someone you'd find more vulnerable. But um, what we have to do is prevent the very next one. It's happened, yeah, way too many times, and, and, and now it's happened here. So those conversations will no doubt continue as well. Thank you all, and thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.